On this episode of the Object Shop podcast, JR chats with E. Martins, one of Object Shop's consultants focused on cloud, about GitOps, what it is, what it's not, and how to get started. Plus, he shares a few things he learned about GitOps the hard way. Welcome to the Object Shark Podcast. Today we have Guy in the hot seat with me today. Guy, say hello, introduce yourself and, and what you do at uh, Object Shark. Yeah, hello everyone. Guy Martin's here. So I am a consultant at Object Shark for about four years now. I do everything open source, <laughs> not only, but also open source. So Kubernetes, um, a lot of um, configuration management tools, a lot of Git, GitOps, GitHub. Well, you name it, everything around <laughs> uh, operationalizing and making sure that uh, developers can be effective and companies can deliver things fast, uh, their their products faster. Love it. Love it. Well, actually, one of the reasons why I asked you on to, onto the podcast here was because, you know, you've been talking a lot about this thing, GitOps, right? And I'm just like, yeah. all right, like, that's yet again a new term so let's let's talk about that a little bit and kind of get the why and the when and the how and so why don't we just start with the what what is GitOps? and isn't it the best question right now <laughs> so there is a lot happening into what GitOps actually means um but let, let's try to to get all the myths out right um GitOps is not something new although the term is new, um, it is just a way of using configuration management to enforce whatever you have in your Git um, database, so your version control system, to persist that into your delivery system. Uh, so that be that could be something like Kubernetes, that could be something like even a VM. You can achieve a GitOps environment into something like that. Uh, so it... I believe it started with Weflux, the term actually uh, GitOps, when they introduced their tool called Weflux, which is a tool that pretty much just grabs everything from your Git repo and then enforces it into a Kubernetes environment. So then the distance between a commit to your virtual control system into delivering something to production got reduced. And that was something that uh, wasn't effectively new, but rather, it was super fast and, and streamlined that it weren't a new term. Hence, GitOps. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, and since and since you mentioned um, you know busting myths before and stuff like that, what about uh, what is what is GitOps not? <laughs> right. I can imagine a lot that of people quite have ideas as to you know what it could be and whatever. And I know even in some of the conversations that I've been having. You know, one person's definition is very far from a different person. So we got your definition. What about some of the things that you're hearing from, you know, as you're working with clients that they think GitOps is and you're like, mm, no, it's not that. Perfect. That's that's a great question as well. <laughs> so definitely GitOps is not the tool that is going to solve for you security. It is not going to solve your networking. It's not going to solve your infrastructure management. It is definitely not going to solve how your application lifecycle management works, even though it solves a little bit how to deliver it. Um, so those things that people usually say, 
that uh, if you implement GitOps, you're going to be able to deliver to production every single day, at least twice a day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about that. <laughs> so we don't, we shouldn't believe that. The reason being is uh, you still have to be concerned about all the other pillars to actually deliver a good application, a working application, a secure application, and an available application. And just implementing GitOps is not going to solve that for you, especially if your uh, company as a whole and the culture of your company as a whole uh, is not ready for agile development to actually enforce those deliverables. Mm. So when we think about GitOps, and I, and, and I heard you at first, you said tool, and then it was a process, and then I... So when we think Git, GitOps, is it a tool? Is it a process? Is it like DevOps, where it's kind of like a way of thinking? Like what? It is much like DevOps. Uh, GitOps uh, started as a set of tools that would do two things, right? Um, first, do continuous delivery based upon your control version control system and detect drifts and rectify those into your system. That's exactly what GitOps is. But now um, the Cloud Native Foundation is actually pushing into GitOps being more like DevOps is, which is a way of thinking and, and, a, and a culture thing. Uh, so we have to be careful of that. Hmm. So especially yeah. because that's what it's inching towards. One of the things that I always like to ask, um, you know, when considering these types of things, especially when often people think it's just a tool, but really it's not. What do you, what do you think is like the business case to introduce GitOps into an environment? Like, what would be some of those things that um, you know people would look for, or teams would look for, an organization would look for to know? Yeah, you know what? Like, if we introduced GitOps into our environment, things would be better. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So to so for a company to be ready to introduce GitOps into to, to be, and to actually make use of what it's doing in a better way, they have to be ready to deploy their, their infrastructure um, in a consolidated way that is already um, signed off by security, signed off by networking, and it has an outline that is deliverable, doesn't matter when it happens. So whenever you, your company is into, is into a place where, I'm going to give you an example, um, your, your whole infrastructure is already set up in, let's say, a Terraform environment. There are other ways of doing that, of course, but you have a Terraform file that you can just, you know, delete your whole infrastructure and then start over new. Then, then you're getting started to that, that uh, process in an infrastructure perspective. Also, whenever you have your application teams developing and delivering with a conti continuous integration and continuous delivery pipelines, um, and they're delivering constantly to their production environments, um, either by doing canary upgrades or by doing feature flags, and it all and it's consistently works. That's the point that you you know you're ready to use GitOps. And that's the point that you're going to start removing some of the hurdles to actually deliver your software and infrastructure. Now, kind of like how I asked you before about what it's not, when yeah. would you say organizations are probably not ready or maybe it's too soon to introduce GitOps, right? I've seen 
many, many projects that have gone down like the wrong path. Well, I mean, for me, it was DevOps, right? But, you know, coming in and the organization's like, yeah, we want to do this. And it was just like, it's great that you want to do it, but here's all the reasons why you shouldn't yet. <laughs> that is that is so true. <laughs> Truth is, to be ready to do GitOps, um, you have to be ready, as I said before, to deliver your whole environment and your whole and, and all of your applications and upgrades in a consistent manner. That, such a, such as that you 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 have to go through those those steps of actually automating it all. You have to be to go through all of that before um, introducing GitOps to an environment that first you don't know how your infrastructure works entirely. You don't have know how to automate your infrastructure deployment entirely. You don't know how to automate your networking outline entirely. So you don't know how to make network policies or, or network segregation properly autom automatically. Um, your application teams are not consistently deploying to production. And um, maybe you're getting started to blue-green deployments, A-B testing. You're too early into those stages to, to actually get into uh, GitOps. Because what you would do, you would be shooting yourself on the foot by, you know, um, somehow if... I'm going to give you an example, right? Somehow I'm, I start using a GitOps tool that is going to be try to rectify a drift on my infrastructure. But that drift in the infrastructure was done by my operations team that wanted to solve an issue that my latest changing the GitOps tool applied. And they were never going to be able to fix it because then the tool is going to be rectifying the drift on and on. So you have to have your teams ready and a lot of synergy between those teams right so networking infrastructure operations uh even development they have to to have some synergy to understand that this is it right this is how we deploy our our tools and if you're not there yet if your teams are completely segregated you just throw it over the wall to operations to do some something you're not ready that's for ah, sure well therein lies now the the switch over from it's a tool to it's a way of working Right. Like, right. Let's, let's, let's repeat that one thing again. Right. It's that with the teams need to be able to work together. Cause let's be honest, no tool can solve for that. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, and, and to me, I know like I've been on so many client projects where you oftentimes don't think about the people involved, the process involved because Hey, technology can resolve everything. Right. Um, you know, we had talked about on a, in a previous episode with Shane and Vineet on security, and we had a very similar conversation about the fact that like, just because you move to the cloud, it doesn't take care of all of these security things that you need to be thinking about, right? Sounds like it's the same kind of thing 100%. here. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it's the same conversation, right? You, you can, you, you can be agile, you can deliver something fast. But if you don't have the the company culture infrastructure to back that up, you're cornering you're cornering you're putting yourself in a corner where you might either have problems with availability of your application, security, or even not being able to meet meet your deadlines. Mm. Now, yeah, I heard you talk about before when you're when you're listing all of the items, you said you need this entirely, automation entirely. 
sounds like it's like it's it's an all or nothing type of deal. Is there something in the middle, perhaps that you know it's kind of like a iterative and incremental way of of getting into GitOps, or does it really truly have to be an all or nothing type of deal? No, it definitely doesn't have to be. It would be great if you did have all that. It, it definitely makes it <laughs> a lot easier to implement it. Um, but if you are in the journey of getting there, if you let's say you're a massive company with thousands of teams, thousands of products, um, and you want to get into GitOps, you can definitely get started by starting to create guilds. I know it's it's a it's a term that is coming along now in IT. You start building your guilds and start building smaller teams that are going to be managing smaller pieces of your infrastructure and smaller pieces of um, the outline of an application deployment. And you start to decouple all of that and start delivering bits, uh, smaller bits. So whenever you do that, um, you're, you're going to be a lot more successful into um, implementing GitOps because you don't have to deal with the legacy stuff that you might have today. And so a lot of Greenfield can, can benefit by thinking about how they can, they can achieve that right off the bat. Got it. And yep. is it really all about the automation? Like, is the automation the kicker here? I'm thinking of a client that I, uh, that I was working with where, you know, they, they were doing agile stuff. I'm not going to say they were doing agile, but it was, it was like, <laughs> and along the way, a lot of it, you know, as we think continuous integration, continuous uh, deployment, we think about it in terms of automated systems, scripts, and all that kind of stuff. In this particular instance, it was the same thing, except replace automation and tools with people and manual work, right? But when you looked at it overall, could you say that, you know, there was continuous integration and, and deployment? Well, yeah, but it was people doing it and it wasn't automation. So in an environment like that, and by no means am I suggesting that that's an ideal environment, but the reason why I bring it up is it's an environment where that automation wasn't there. Does that mean then that GitOps is not for that kind of environment? If there's no automation at well, let's all? Say, let's say minimal automation. I would not recommend it because you would put something that would rely so much on automation that whenever something is done, uh, any changes are done that are not falling into the pieces of that piece of automation, you're going to start having drifts that can be quite dangerous in your mm -hmm. environments. Got it. So you, we've talked about the business case and sort of the indications as to when it would be a good idea to start. So let's, let's take it from there. We've gone through the assessment. We've built the business case. There is a strong case for an organization to start going down, um, you know, the path of, of GitOps. Now what? Walk me through the steps. What does a typical implementation look like? Obviously, there's there's different versions of how this would go down. But at a high level, what have you seen with client projects that's the common approach to starting from a zero GitOps organization to somewhere down the line? Awesome. All right. So to do that, you first, you need to discover what is it that you can actually persist in your version control system, Git in, in this case, and that can be a piece of, of code 
that can be translated to to the um, to infrastructure deployment of an application, anything that might be. So once you discover all that, then you start then you start to um, segregate that in a, in such a way that you have access control that only the people that should be do, doing changes in there and with the the um, required approval or the pre-commit triggers or the pipelines that are going to be uh, testing that beforehand is going to be able to run it. So once you have that all protected, all of that uh, ready to go, then you have to start looking into day one and day two operations of those uh, files or pieces of deliverables, right? So do you need to um, change the rotation of a secret? How will that work? Do you need to um, ensure that your feature flags are going to be tested or not? You start looking into that. So once you get to that point, then you start to, to look into which tools can I use to grab that piece of, of code infrastructure and deliver to the system that is going to be running it. So is it going to be the infrastructure that is going to be running on my cloud provider? Is it going to be my code that is going to be running on my, my orchestrator or my hosts? What is it going to be? Once you choose that tool, then that's the piece that you're going to be doing your due diligence of seeing how that would work out. There are a multitude of tools that you could use for that. Um, each of them are going to have different approaches of how you're, how they're going to be connecting with your with your running environment. But let's say we're going to choose Weave Flux, which is the one that started this whole thing. Um, then you then it's the time that you start to look into how does it look for me to pull that code and to do the applies so what is your cycle of applying what is your cycle of drifts and then once you get to that point well you're pretty much already implemented GitOps, honestly so that is the piece i've omitted on purpose to make the answer simple <laughs> the <laughs> which, never is, let's be honest. which it never actually <laughs> is uh there's a lot a lot of moving pieces from all the other teams um not only development to actually look into what should be applied in there and how it should be applied. So um, net security, how are we going to scan that, that infrastructure? How are we going to scan that code? How are we going to scan that container image? Uh, networking, how are we going to publish that? So if I need to do a change on, on my firewalls, is that going to have to affect only my, my, my firewall? Or is it going to be affecting my code to actually go to a different endpoint to, to pull that out? Because when you do that change, and it's, if it is a separate Git repo, how do you coordinate that? Mm. Because right now, when you change your version control system, you might change everything. So you might be inclined to say, maybe I should put it all into one code repo. But how do you control now that everyone is going to have access to that? Security, development, networking, operations. Uh, it's so... I've omitted all that. That's, that's but... what we call you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there, there is there is a reason that um, a lot of companies are, are looking for consultants to to to, to do that, um, because they, they do need to start understanding how their own processes work, and how the new process is going to work, and someone to help trying to glue things for them. Um, right. Funny enough, I'm actually starting a new series in my YouTube channel to actually teach people how to get to that point. 
So if anybody wants to take a look, it's Fancy Gee, the name of the channel. Um, Fancy Gee on YouTube. Nice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fancy stuff, fancy geek. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the idea is there that there is that I'm going to try to keep it as, as I said before, green feel and simple as possible to try to implement all of that from beginning of developing something simple all the way to deploying it. And I know it's not going to fit all, but it, it should showcase how it can be if we all implement it properly. Nice. Um, I, I should have asked this question before, but it only occurred to me as you were talking. Um, yeah. When it comes to, to the actual implementation and the tools and stuff like that, does it matter if the solutions that you're, you're developing and deploying um, on-prem, cloud, does it matter? Not really, no. So as, as I said before, and, and this is a great question because there's a misconception. This, is only, this only fits... You know, Kubernetes, it only fits Git, it only fits cloud, which is not true. Honestly, you can do GitOps, but then you cannot use the term GitOps because you're not using Git. Uh, but yeah. you could use uh, something like a VM deployed into your on-premise uh, infrastructure that is using something like PowerShell DSC, which is a configuration management tool that is probably pulling uh, all of your stuff inside of your cluster. Your cluster, not your cluster, sorry, your VM. But you could do that. That would get you close to what some someone else is going to be using a tool that is doing the same thing into Kubernetes and pulling their configurations. Now, there are a lot more steps to do that in a VM on-premise. I know sure. that. But you could achieve that for sure. Okay. That's like, because I know like for me, every time I've heard someone around me talk about GitOps and stuff, it's always been in the context of cloud. Right. And then it's like, well, does it have to be? Ideally, you would want it to be, yes, obviously. Obviously. Um, you know, and, and as you know, listeners of the podcast would know, oftentimes we talk about stuff in the cloud. That's what we that's what we at Object Carp specialize in. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to go in the cloud. hundred <laughs> percent. So for people that cannot go to the cloud for any reason. Um, they can always run their own Kubernetes cluster locally. Um, if they cannot run Kubernetes because they aren't into the containerized world yet, they can run in VM scale sets, um, elastic VM pools, right? Uh, if they cannot go there yet, they could <laughs> go to their VMs. I mean, you, you can achieve that, right? Uh, sure. there, it's, as I said, it's, that's the part that, I, that it's not the tool anymore, right? It's about the way you actually achieve operationalization of your infrastructure code and product in git that's oh, what it is i love it see may you should have just started with that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true <laughs> right when you strip away all the tools when you strip away all the labels ultimately that's that's what it is you're you're i love how you put it that way it makes it nice and crisp and simple nice yeah let me ask you this so you've been you've been doing this for quite some time, and obviously you've seen you've seen it work well. You've seen it work, you know, Holy. not so well. <laughs> um, what would you say? Because I, I love sharing on the podcast here the things that are not so obvious, right? The things that um, you wouldn't necessarily go and like pick up a book and read and be like, oh, okay, like tried and tested. Yes, I learned this from the uh, from actually doing any ahas or, or gotchas that come to mind that, you know, you kind of learn the hard way? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so when you're looking to GitOps, uh, you're actually looking in tools running into infrastructure to actually do the deployment and detection of drifts and ensuring that everything works. Now, how do you deploy your tool to do that if your infrastructure is also part of GitOps? So sometimes there's a chicken and egg type of situation that uh, honestly, there are, is no good solution. So you, you're going to hear from Red Hat this, they say ACM is the solution, which is their um, configuration tool to apply for their, um, sorry, uh, OpenShift clusters. But then they would recommend you deploying it using a script. So how do you automate the part of the script that actually deploys ACM to actually use GitOps? So it is not obvious to people that, yeah, great, you're going to have this tool, but this tool has to be upgraded at some point. You have right. to test the changes in this tool. And this is not obvious because you would say, oh, I'm going to use the tool to update itself, but it's not going to be available when I update itself. So I have to have a, a master tool that up, that pushes itself and its own infrastructure. But then he, who manages that top tool? So, <laughs> so you get into this recursive loop. Exactly. So there is no good way. There are ways of solving that. But this is the major gotcha that people should be thinking right off the bat. Because if they are saying that I'm going to have only this one version running to this massive cluster that operates my entire company, you're in for a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's yeah. one gotcha. What else? What, what else comes to mind? Um, there's also the gotcha of access control. Uh, you oftentimes want to be able to deliver fast and uh, sometimes people would go with the misconception of uh, maybe I don't need, especially in Kubernetes, I'm going to actually go a little bit into Kubernetes. Kubernetes, you can segregate your runtime environments into namespaces. Um, and oftentimes people would say, oh, I just need this production cluster and I'm going to separate things with my namespaces in there. But then I'm going to not control it very well and uh, maybe anybody can make changes in there. And if you do not put your control in place, in such a way that people are not going to be able to change production, so that people that change development cannot change production as easy, uh, then you're going to have problems of accidentally people removing files that actually yeah. define an environment. And if someone do, does a review of a pull request, of someone that does a review of the gate that actually that, that would have to be there, and it doesn't catch that, and it happens, uh, then you're probably incurring some downtime. Uh, so this is a major gotcha because people believe, okay, every single commit that I do goes to production right away. No reveals necessary. I don't believe in branching strategies. Uh, you know, <laughs> you should. <laughs> yeah. I like that. You should. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> do it now so that you don't regret it later. Exactly. Which it doesn't mean that you cannot do things um, with pre-commit triggers that would not need, you know, branches, and then your cycles would be much shorter. You could do that, but you have to look into your gates. You have to look into your scans, uh, and those are often overlooked. And it's a major gotcha when you try to put everything into the same place. Mm. Yeah, got it. Um, on a completely unrelated note, not relating to implementation. Uh, but now relating to the people who have to work this thing, right? So you had mentioned different teams and, and, and whatnot. What have you seen as sort of the roles that play a part in 
um, an implementation like this? Developers, operators, like like who participates in implementing um, GitOps in an organization? So the, the two major teams that are actually going to be uh, working and implementing the, the GitOps tools are going to be the um, the operations teams and whatever DevOps guild that you might have. You're going to have to have a DevOps guild in, at that point. Uh, those two are going to take care of grabbing all the information from everybody else in, in the company and making sure it's oper operational. Operational. Sorry about that. <laughs> so uh, those those are the major teams that are going to be working on that. But that's not to say that the other teams don't play a role, mm. right? So, but those are the two major teams that are going to be paying attention to those details for sure. Where does uh, the security folks fit in? That's going to be part of DevOps, which honestly should be called DevOpsSec at this point. <laughs> so it's going to be that guild that actually takes care of all of that, which is the team that is actually doing the automation already, should be doing the automation already for um, for everything security related, for operationalization of, of your tools, for your automation of your development tools. Uh, even your networking team should be there, honestly, in your DevOpsSec net. Group. <laughs> net ops. Yeah, because you're actually looking to doing, you know, with reverse proxies and whatnot, uh, network operations inside of your DevOps automation. Honestly, that should happen at that point as well. So I'm hearing if we now if we put a lens on it from a skills perspective, yeah. right? So I'm hearing automation. I'm hearing infrastructure automation. So yeah. a lot of knowing infrastructure as code. Um, sure. network of code, apparently. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if let's say at a minimum, you have already some of the DevOps, uh, skills and tools and knowledge, um, what would you say, if anything, is the incremental to start working, you know, in a GitOps kind of world? Like do, if I was a, I don't know, a developer, let's say, uh, do I need any extra skills and knowledge to be able to start doing this? I would definitely uh, look into application lifecycle management. So, in uh, how you can actually deliver your application uh, consistently into an environment, and how you would operationalize all the bits and pieces pieces of your uh, networking as well. So, a way that I would do that, and this is my recommendation to anybody in, in DevOps that is starting off, is get a small uh, Kubernetes cluster. There are plenty of tools that you can run that those locally today. Uh, and start running an environment of, of Kubernetes and start looking to all those pieces, how you segregate your networking, how you do the reverse proxying, how do you do testing of your application, how you do you do upgrading of your application, how do you do delivery of your application. Once you've mastered all those pieces, you're definitely ready for something like GitOps. <laughs> so it sounds like more like do, practice, POC, and less of take a course, go read type of thing. You could take a course and read. I, I could say that. But from experience and from me, myself writing operators for Kubernetes and, and testing those things out and seeing some of the and doing the certifications of Kubernetes and also doing courses that I could find, honestly, uh, I, I do still feel uh, that the community is lacking some of those skills out there written in stone. So there's still some experimenting to do, especially since there are so many moving parts to this. 
that uh, it, not one environment is going to be the same as the other. And because you might be using another type of container that might be running another kind of a um, networking proxy protocol. It can be so different that it's worth to do your own uh, POC. It definitely a lot of experience that you have to get first. Amazing. Amazing. Well, it actually sounds like to your point, it's like because there isn't that much out there, maybe just maybe some of that will show up on uh, on your YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my biggest motivations, actually. I opened that channel just for starting to connect those things, right? Because developers, they do not have um, a lot of experience into how they actually deploy their, their infrastructure, how they distribute their packages, how they do tests, probably, because they rely so much on the QA engineers. So I want to try to start connecting those pieces because everybody right. has to, you know, you don't have to know everything, but you should at least consider it. Love it. I love that. Actually, you don't have to know everything, um, but you, or at least the way I look at it, is you don't have to know everything, but you still need to know something, or maybe enough to be dangerous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and for everything else that you that that there's practice for. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Keith, for the conversation. Thank you for the insights. Again, hopefully, people hearing uh, this podcast will check you out on YouTube. Uh, with Thank your you. channel, Fancy Gi, spelled F-A-N-C-Y-G-U-I, uh, which you. I thought was so clever, just as a side note. I thought it was so clever to, <laughs> to bring in your name that way. So anyway, thanks again, um, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. All right, see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Object Sharp. Whether migrating workloads to Azure or building net new cloud-native solutions leveraging the power of PaaS, serverless, .NET, or the Power Platform, or implementing DevOps and Agile practices within teams or across the entire organization, ObjectSharp has been helping companies with their digital transformation for over 20 years. Learn more at ObjectSharp.com or connect on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. ObjectSharp is a central logic company.